I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Welcome to News Du Jour. You may be wondering, why am I, Annie Bowles, here hosting this podcast? I usually start by telling people I'm a political baby. You see, my parents met working on Capitol Hill. By the time I was two, I had been in my first political commercial and even got lost crawling around the West Wing. Don't worry, Al Gore found me. My family then moved abroad when I was nine, and I attended an international school in Brussels with kids from all over the world, and it is this type of global perspective that I also bring to our show. I graduated from American University in D.C. after studying political science and art history, as well as interning on both sides of Capitol Hill. I even interned down the hall from where my parents met. I'm now pursuing a professional certificate in journalism at NYU in conjunction with Rolling Stone magazine. I guess I was always that friend in the group who cared deeply about not just what was going on politically, but also globally. I often kept my own friends informed through high school and into young adulthood. So I guess I've always done a version of this show. I'm genuinely passionate about following the news, and I'm here to break it down for you guys every weekday. We always strive to be a calmer space to get your news, or as one listener put it, like getting your news from a well-informed bestie. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, guys, so for today, we don't have any many stories here at the top. We're going to do kind of an Iowa caucuses recap. There are a couple things I found interesting about um this piece of the primary election. So we're going to discuss that first. And then we're going to go over a bunch of smaller stories that have to do with Israel, Gaza, and Yemen all together as sort of one segment. But before we jump into all that, I actually wanted to start a kind of new segment or concept for the show. And it is going to be called Media Literacy Reminders. So I've talked a lot on this show about how This war in Israel and Gaza has really, you know, sort of churned up all of this conversation about fake news and media literacy and the need to really keep your guard up when it comes to sourcing and anything that just doesn't smell right to you. Be really careful about who you're getting your news from. And of course, on this show, we always cite where we get our information right when we're telling you the information. And if you're ever curious about a source for us, please let us know. But I did want to connect, you know, anytime I'm seeing like a piece of reoccurring like fake news that's floating around the internet, I'm going to try and correct it on here and sort of like help you guys understand how you can see through these things as well. So for our very first media literacy reminder. I wanted to remind you guys that a fact can be true, but it can also be leaving out important context that makes that fact very misleading. We will have an example of this later in the episode and sort of explain what I mean by that. 
I want to do what I can to help you guys be as media literate as possible, you know, when it comes to consuming online media. Always be a detective. If something sounds fishy, investigate it. You don't have to go around causing drama in the comment sections or anything like that, but do your own research when it when something sounds off or when someone is sounding off. So with that, we will go ahead and get into the episode. So first up for today, Iowa caucuses, a recap. So I mentioned on yesterday's episode that, you know, as of the time I was recording, certain people were calling the election and the official results were not in yet. And so that was definitely something that caused a little bit of controversy. Basically, it seemed like a lot of counties were being called for Trump before it was even possible that they could be called for him. You know, it's something certain people are sort of honing in on, but I haven't heard anything very specific to say why this was problematic. I do know that a lot of political analysts who crunch data and things of that nature can project these types of wins way before you would think that they could. And there is math and science behind it all, um, which I have studied in school. But Trump did, it's confirmed, win the state of Iowa in the Republican primaries. And he won big, you guys. But there was something that I found really interesting going on in the race for second place. So I wanted to talk to you guys about that today. Ron DeSantis won second place. And that was a little bit shocking at first, not super surprising, but a little bit because we'd been hearing a lot about how Nikki had been pulling ahead. But when you look closer at the results, nuances really come into play and things get a lot more interesting. As a political wonk and someone who studied voting systems in college, I can tell you that different systems of voting can produce different outcomes. And Iowa is a pretty different state. So Ron DeSantis managed to win second place in terms of the numbers, but he did so without winning a single district, which the same cannot be said for Nikki Haley. She technically won one single district, but by a very, very narrow margin succumbed to Ron DeSantis for second place. They were almost neck and neck, but she won a district and he didn't. And that is interesting to me because it points to the idea that there may not be as many kind of like diehard DeSantis fans or communities as there are for Nikki because she was able to fully win a district. Perhaps DeSantis is simply seen as Trump light, like a lukewarm version of the former president, and that appeals maybe to those who already like Trump, whereas there's no denying that Nikki is of a different genre. She is much more of a George Bush-style Republican, a little bit more dignified with global experience, and not as entrenched in far-right rhetoric. So maybe she's managing to really speak to that moderate conservative voter that she is the antidote to Trump and not Trump light. And they're really biting into that hook, line and sinker in certain areas, potentially. Certainly interesting to talk about why we think she might have won a full district when Ron DeSantis wasn't able to, but he technically beat her. I think that makes it feel like they are a little bit more neck and neck than what the strict numbers might tell you. 
I also think that the race for second place is something we should really be watching because it may become more relevant than in any other election year. Because if Trump, for some reason, ends up in prison because of one of his many, many court cases against him, the Republican Party may go shopping for the second best. And these types of results are what they're going to be looking at if they were to need to make that decision. They would want to pick the candidate who is the most electable in that situation. So let's stay in touch about this subject as more states head to the ballot box between now and March 5th. And next up for today, I do have to issue a content warning. This story involves war and psychological torture. So today we're going to be going over a bunch of different updates that have to do with Israel, Gaza, and Yemen. Let's get into it. So the Houthis are ramping up their attacks. They were not deterred by the U.S. attacks against them, but rather emboldened. This is obviously a bit scary because it feels like we are fighting a war more directly now against a group that, let's face it, is financially and ideologically tied to Iran. The U.S. also destroyed four Houthi ballistic missiles that the White House said were prepared to be launched at U.S. Navy ships. The Brits have also been bombing the area. Together, the U.S. and U.K. have hit more than 60 targets in 28 different locations, according to reporting from the AP. Additionally, I keep seeing online people stating that the Houthis never killed anyone in their attacks. And this is exactly what I wanted to talk about media literacy with, because that is a fact. The Houthis have never killed anyone in their attacks against these ships. That is true. It's a fact. But that is because the U.S. was continually intercepting their missiles. Had we not defended ourselves, there likely would have been deaths, injuries, bloodshed, and more. So that is one of the ways in which narratives can get twisted. The Houthis, to be clear, have brought down a lot of pain and suffering against their own people and are now attacking ships from all countries all over the world. So if you guys are seeing anyone painting the Houthis out as like innocent civilians, that is just not the case. They were given many warnings to stop their attacks by both the U.S. and U.K. directly, but also from the international community at large through the U.N., they decided to ramp up instead. The U.S. also reportedly raided a ship that was headed for Yemen that was full of weaponry from Iran. The raid was successful, but two Navy SEALs actually went missing in their mission. So this is a story that we're definitely going to be keeping our ear to the ground on. I'm very curious where these two Navy SEALs are because that weaponry was actually coming from Iran to Yemen. So I'm definitely worried for their safety, given that Iran was in the mix here. Congress is also pissed at Biden, you guys, both sides of the aisle, for not consulting them in these attacks. The legal lines here are a bit murky from what I understand. 
Congress is the only body of government that can approve fully going to war. But one-off attacks, I'm not really sure where the lines fall on that. And Biden clearly thought it was within his power. But if it were to somehow pull us into a bigger fight and into a war with other nations across the Arab world, you know, Congress would probably be even more pissed and would definitely need to be consulted moving forward. Meanwhile, Hamas is taunting families with videos of the hostages. Just last week, three hostages were featured in videos, and Hamas asked people to vote in a social media poll whether they thought these three specific victims were still alive or not. And the result, they said the results of the poll would be released on Monday, along with the real answers. Absolutely terrifying. One of the three hostages they were referencing was Noah, who is the young woman that the world saw screaming, being carried away from the music festival with her arms outstretched towards her friend to try and save her. Since the whole polling torment online, Hamas then released video footage of the two other hostages, as I mentioned, um, two men, first showing them speaking to the camera, giving the families hope that they are alive, and then quickly dashing it away, showing video footage of their dead bodies and claiming that Israel killed them in airstrikes. But Israel has already put out a statement saying that at least one of the men they know, it's not possible that he was killed by an airstrike. How they know that? They did not say. And to be honest, we may never know the exact circumstances of their deaths within this active war zone. But regardless, Hamas continues to show their true colors when it comes to these torturous tricks. They are conducting psychological warfare for the sole purpose of causing these families further pain. There's no other reasoning for this kind of behavior. There are still over 130 hostages, unaccounted for. It's the largest hostage crisis the world has ever seen, as a reminder. We know that the young women who have survived being held hostage were sexually assaulted, starved, held underground without sunlight, with their captors often playing mind games simply to be cruel. We are sending these 139 and their families all the strength and courage right now. That said, news outlets online such as New York Times, Al Jazeera, have reported that the U.S. is in quote-unquote serious talks with Qatar regarding the release of the remaining hostages. So I'm really hoping that, you know, this is fruitful. I'm sure it would come at a price. But right now, it seems like both the U.S. and Israel would be likely to pay that price to put an end to this ordeal and get the hostages home safely. Meanwhile, of course, the war rages on in Gaza. While major Israeli bombings have slowed, there were over 150 people said to have been killed just yesterday in the small Gaza Strip, according to Gaza's health ministry, which is believed to be part of Hamas. But Israel has been scaling the attacks down by quite a bit, and they said they have completed their mission in the north and will just be holding that area for now. 
So that is positive. As I know, we are all eager to see the fighting and bloodshed end. My heart is also with every Gazan who has endured the loss of a loved one, a child, or a friend. Every innocent Gazan who has lost a home, gone hungry, or is injured without a hospital to even go to. We see you, and I wish there were more we could do. When this is all over, I know there will be efforts to physically rebuild Gaza, led by the U.S. and allies, as these plans are already reportedly in the works, according to major news outlets like Fox News and more. But more importantly, there will also be healing that needs to happen. In order to end this cycle, there needs to be more understanding between these two separate peoples and for them to find a way to live together. And while right now that's pretty hard to imagine, we have to keep hope alive for that because that seems to be the only pathway towards a peaceful ending to this story. And that is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote, it really all boils down to this, that all life is interrelated. We are all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. And whatever affects one directly affects us all indirectly. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on that platform or a shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us to be able to keep creating the news du jour and reach more people who need a calmer space to consume the news. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugarfreemedia, and that is also linked in our show notes. You can follow us on social media at newsdujour.podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. You can follow my personal account at It's Annie Bowles on both platforms as well. Any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup. He has a little separation anxiety and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from... Oh.